Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, it's good to be here to bring the Word of God to you again this week. I was away last week in Dartford. Um, preaching at a church in, in central Dartford, an amazing church, but uh, I miss this church. Uh, you know, I love to go and preach places and, and see God do things, but there's one thing, I love to be home. And uh, I missed you all last week. We had such a great time there. On Saturday, I was preaching in Kent um, last Saturday to about 60 Assemblies of God leaders. God was just moving. They just wanted me to speak on the prophetic, and uh, God was moving in that place that day. And uh, there were just ministers there, you know, that God was just touching. People who felt like quitting sometimes in their ministry, that God was just speaking into that day. I want to encourage you, God wants to speak into your life sometimes. And He really is interested in doing that. It's a little bit of what I want to speak about today. But last week really proved that for me. And I say this, and I teach a lot on the prophetic, but I want to say this, that some of the smallest things you have sometimes, just to encourage you in the prophetic, the smallest things you have, don't be scared to share them because they can mean a world to someone else. You know, we hold back so many times on little words in our heart. If you're pushing in the prophetic, I just want to encourage you in that. Just step out. Listen to God's voice because God wants to use you. Amen? Do you believe that? God wants to use you. Amen? Well, my wife's not here today. You've probably seen my wife's not here. She's preaching today. She's preaching. She's not preached here yet. She's preaching uh, with Mandy, they're over in Bury St. Edmunds at another Assemblies of God church. They've said, will you come over and share with us everything that happened in Iraq at Christmas? So the, the mission trip they did, uh, you wouldn't probably know this, but Sujith Alex, who's been and preached here before, gave a rather large donation towards that mission last year. He phoned me up and said, we want to give into what you're doing. We want to give into this because we believe in it. But he says it's under one, under one remit that your wife and Mandy, when they come back, they come and tell us what happened. And so they're going today to share what God did and just share a little message. And so why don't we just pray for them right now that God uses them and speaks through them today into the life of that church. Father, we thank you that your presence goes with them. And I just pray right now, Lord, that as another Assemblies of God church right now just meeting, they'll, they'll be ministering very shortly. God, I pray that you will speak through them. Let it not be words of the flesh, but words of the Spirit, speaking right into the life of that church. And I pray, Lord, there'll be people in that room who, who are going to be challenged to go into nations, other parts of the world, to take your gospel. We pray today, Lord, you'll use them in the prophetic, in healing, and in many ways, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Well, John chapter 6 is where we're going to be reading from today. John chapter 6. If you turn with me in your Bibles and uh, looking at the NIV version. John chapter 6, verse 14. Here we're going to pick up right after Jesus has just performed this amazing miracle of feeding the 5,000. We've heard it. There's another story of feeding the 4,000. But Jesus has just finished this amazing miracle, and uh, we're going to pick up right now in verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely 
This is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day the crowd had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake, realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that, he, that he'd gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Amen. Amen. The title of this message today is All in God's Time. All in God's Time. Amen. I don't know about you, but in my life, things happen to me. And sometimes I wonder, is, am I in God's calendar of time? Am I in his schedule? Because I didn't expect something to happen when it happened. And so, you know, when you become a Christian, you can get this false view that actually life is going to be so good for you that God, you know, we read the scriptures that a thousand may fall at my side. and I'm going to be fine, but nothing's going to happen to me. And then when something happens, we then give up on God because we think that actually I'm not in his, in his time scale. I'm not in his, in his plan. And, and I'm not really sure whether God really is with me right now. And, and I don't know, I, I get these moments. So I, I, I really believe God's with me when everything's going well. You know, I can get up some mornings and I, everything's going really swimming, swimmingly well, as they'd say in England. And, and I feel like God's with me, but some days I get up and feel like he's not there. Do you feel like that? I sometimes pray and I don't think he's there. Is that okay to say that here? Because why? Because we feel that because the flesh sometimes is fighting with the spirit of God, the spirit in our hearts. And so I want to say to you today that there are some things that happen to you that you think in your life that God is not there and that his time has stopped over your life. But he's there. Just the other week, if you heard my story, I shared a story about climbing up scaffolding to go onto a roof when someone took me up into the top of the scaffolding. The scaffolding's still there. This is a, a mighty bit of scaffolding by our house. 
And uh, you, many of you know I was offering these guys coffees. So I was doing work for the Lord. I was blessing them each day with a, with a latte. Just, you know, just being the hands and feet of Jesus. You don't need a miracle. Just make them a coffee. And one morning I got, I got up and I came downstairs. I just got ready and I came downstairs. No one was in the house. And as I walked into the kitchen, my plan was to bless them again and to go out and make them a coffee. So I was stood in the kitchen, and I was seconds away from opening the door and going out to these men and saying, do you want a drink again? And I was stood in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, I'm talking seconds away, I hear the biggest crash outside. I thought thunder had hit. Someone said there was earthquakes yesterday in England. I thought something had happened. It was, it was a loud crash. The first thing I did is run upstairs, open the side window instead of opening the door, look down and see the scaffolders stood there holding sheets of metal. And all of a sudden, the wind was blowing them through and blew these sheets of metal. And as I stood and watched through the window, seconds later, one sheet of metal flew out of his hand and flew straight past the back door. Hit the scaffolding. The moment I saw it happen, my two things went into my mind. First is the children could have been there. Second is I was about to walk out of there. I don't know about you, but I believe God sometimes is working behind the scenes in our life. And you, you don't think he's there, but he's there. And he knows exactly what you're going to do. Sometimes we walk into trouble, and it's when we walk into trouble, we're saying he's not here. But listen to me. You might be facing problems someday. You might think you're out of God's time and his, his calendar. But he might just be stopping you from walking straight into an accident. You see, your problem sometimes to you is, is sometimes a setback. It's sometimes God's not here. But God is saying, I'm doing this to protect you. God's timing. Listen, everything. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, all things work together for good. And so God works in your life. Every single hour, every minute, he's working behind the scenes. And I want to just tell you something today. First of all, before I even get preaching, <laughs> I want to tell you today, whatever you feel like today, whatever's happening in your life, whatever you're going through, listen to me. You're in God's time. He has not left you. The devil wants you to focus on the problems. So you say, God's not here. But he's here. He's there in your problems. He's there in the difficulties. He's there when there's nothing left in the bank account. He's there when you can't pay your way. Listen to me. God's timing. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. Amen? I'm not just saying this to preach to you just to get you excited. I've learned even in the last few weeks, God, for me, was right on time. In lots of different things. I say it all the time here. My, my granddad, he's, he's passed away now. He, was, he used to worship lead and play the piano. I loved my granddad. He loved Jesus so much. He used to say to me all the time, Phil, count your blessings, name them one by one. 
You'll be surprised what the Lord's done. I want to say to you today, count your blessings. Stop looking at your problems. We're in God's time. Ecclesiastes 3 says this, there's a time for everything under the sun. Now, this is the person who wrote that was Solomon, who has lots of wisdom. He asked God for wisdom, so if he says this, it must be right. So he says, there's a time for everything. By the way, can I just say this, that God is not restricted by time. We're restricted by time, but God is not restricted by time. So he's outside time. But, you know, when Jesus came to earth, you know, one thing, he didn't just come in the flesh. When Jesus came to earth, he came into our time and space. He became limited by our time and space. He stepped out of heaven. We sing the song, the darling of heaven was crucified. He steps out of heaven. He steps out of that place into our limitations of time. When you look at yourself and your life today, let me tell you, he's outside time. That's why the Bible says, he's the alpha and the omega, he's the beginning and the end. So he, he knows what's coming. If you read the book of Revelation, you'll know that the devil doesn't want to read it, you see, because he knows. It reminds him that God knows everything. He's outside of time. Ecclesiastes says there is a time for everything. In verse 11, he says he's made everything beautiful in its time. And then it says this, I love this. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Wow. So what, what God does is this. When you get saved, if you're wondering why you feel a little bit different sometimes, it's because you're in the limitations of time on earth, but he's set eternity into your heart. So there's a, there's a battle going on because your flesh says, no, no time. There's a day when I'm going to die. I see my friends around me, people passing away and getting ill. And Jesus is saying to you today, don't you realize that when you were saved, yes, you're living in a decaying world that has a time and an expiry date. And by the way, it says it's appointed to every man to die. So by the way, you are going to die one day. Some people say, I don't understand why God didn't resurrect that person. I, didn't, I don't understand when I prayed that they didn't get healed. Listen, the Bible says people will get healed, but it also says it's appointed to every man to die. So in other words, one day you're going you're gonna to die. Sorry. And I don't know when that's going to be. But you better use your time for Jesus. I might have one day left. And you might say, no, we're not going to let that happen. I hope you do. But listen, if I have one day left, we need to give the time to Jesus. It's all in God's time, everything. There's a rhythm to what God is doing. And when the clock ticks, if you've ever been in a silent room, and I love the sound of a ticking clock. It reminds me of time's ticking away. A ticking clock, there's nothing more therapeutic. But when you hear that, you realize time is going. We're all coming more closer to his return. Time's ticking away. Listen to me, people, this morning. Whatever you're going through, whatever's happening, when you hear that clock tick, you're in God's time. Everything you go through is in His time. What appears to be a difficult moment in time for you today may be a divine appointment in time. Amen? Do you believe that? First thing I want to say today, in God's timing, 
from this story. We're going to pick some things out. But in God's timing, solitary moments can become spectacular moments. What do I mean by that? Listen, I don't know if you ever feel lonely. Do you know loneliness is a big thing? People don't like to talk about it, but it's a big thing. People sometimes feel lonely as Christians. You might have all the friends around you. You might have all the networks of people in business, have everything going for you this morning, but you feel lonely. You feel on your own. It says this in this story, if you've ever seen it before, John 6 verse 17 when they've just seen this amazing miracle, and by the way, he says feeding of 5,000, there probably was, they reckon scholars say around fifteen to 20,000 because of the women and children that were there as well. So actually, there were a lot of people that they have just fed with this amazing miracle. Now, at the end of this amazing miracle, Jesus, in Mark 6 and Matthew 14, the same story, you'll see that Jesus ushers them and sends them to the other side of the lake. So he leaves them. And then he says this in John 6, verse 17, what we read, by now it was dark, Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. Mark 6 account says, immediately after, he's talking about the the feeding of the 5,000, immediately after, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. So what we've got is this scene of Jesus saying, we've just seen this amazing miracle, but guys, I want you to get out of here. You've got to get to Capernaum at the other side of the lake. I want you to go. I'm going to stay here. I don't know about you, but I don't want a Jesus to stay with me. I mean, I've just seen this amazing miracle. I've seen a great demonstration of power. But now, where's Jesus going? Do you know what it says Jesus did? He went back to deal with the crowds. How on earth did Jesus deal with 20,000 people? Now, that would be a good leadership conference. He said, I'm going to go back and deal with these people. And then it says, it says, because they tried to make him king by force. And then it says, Jesus went into a solitary place. So he goes up to the mountain to pray. I'd have loved to have heard Jesus' prayer that day. What was he praying for? Praying for the people? Praying for the disciples on the boat? But they set off on this journey that's around eight miles or so for them to go. And they set off. And they start to feel tired. They start to feel weary. They are rowing against strong winds and rough sea. I don't know about you today, but Sometimes you feel like you've listened to what Jesus told you to do. You've listened to what God said to you to do. You said, I, I, I was at the shore. Jesus said, go on, go ahead. This is the word. This is the word of today. Go. I want you to go to this place. This is the prophetic word to your disciples. You're going to go to Capernaum. You need to go, and I'm going to stay here. And and you listen to Jesus, and you thought you heard what he said, and you set off, and your part weight says they got three to four miles into the lake. I don't know about you, but if, if I was them, I always think about if I was them, what would I think? I would be thinking, what has happened to Jesus? Why is it we can see 20,000 people get fed miraculously and now we're struggling? Why is it that Jesus has left me in this boat to fight against the wind and the waves to go to a place he told me to go and I feel tired? In fact, 
it says Jesus had not yet joined them. So they'd have been saying, why isn't Jesus here? I thought we were in his plan. And today, I'm telling you, there are people in this room that your solitary moments, your lonely moments where you, you saw God move in the past. Now, you're in these seasons where you feel like God gave you a word, a prophetic word, to do something, to go to somewhere, to stick with what he says. And now you feel tired. You feel like he isn't there anymore. <sighs> solitary Moments, let me tell you, when you feel like Jesus is not in your boat, can become spectacular moments. Why? I'll tell you why. Because in Mark chapter 6 and Matthew 14, it says that Jesus sent them ahead of him. Listen to me, church, this morning. When you have heard a word from God when someone spoke a prophetic word over your life and it spoke to you in your spirit. When someone said to you, my friend in the church way back 10 years ago when God spoke to you, when he said, I'm going to do this with you, I'm going to send you to this place, I'm going to use you in this area. When he said that to you, let me tell you, his word has as much power as what he does. You see, what they were doing is probably saying, oh, I wish he was here now. You know, we saw 20,000 people get healed. If only he was here, then we wouldn't be fighting these waves. He said to go to Capernaum, why is it not easy? Why? You're saying this morning, why is it not easy when I thought I was doing what God asked me to do? Why is it I'm rowing and I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere? Years ago, I went on a cycle ride. I set off a 70-mile cycle ride to Norfolk. My wife thought I was crazy. Every day before I went, I planned the wind, uh, which direction the wind was going to go. And it was amazing because the wind direction charts always showed me it was going to be behind me. Unfortunately, the day I got up to do it, 6 o'clock in the morning, the wind was ahead of me. And I was so passionate about going, I didn't, I didn't want to give up. So I went. Boy, did I know it. It took me eight and a half hours to get there. Five and a half hours back. I was against the wind. I got so far up into the fens near Ely on my way. And there's a point in time, I don't know if you've ever had the, these times where you get so far into something and then you think, if I go back, it's hard. If I go ahead, I just don't know what to do. And, and I got my wife and children in, in the car. They'd gone right up to Norfolk ahead of me. And they, they'd called me and said, how are you getting on, Dad? And I'm trying to act as though, yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> Little did they know I was dying at the side of the fence in the, in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. Having another energy bar just to keep going. And so I, I was doing this. And there was a point in my mind thinking, what shall I do? If I go back, then I can't be with them because they've got the car. They're in Norfolk. So if I want to be with them, if I want to go to where we planned this holiday, the only way now is for me to cycle or I go back. If I go back, the wind will be behind me, so then I'll get back sooner to home. But I'm about halfway. Do I keep pressing on? Let me tell you today, if you're halfway, the Bible says this, that they were in the midst of the lake. So if you're in the midst of a word of a promise from God, let me tell you something. 
God wants you to keep going. God wants you to keep going. Because I believe today God is looking for us to keep pressing on. To keep pressing on even though we're tired and weary. Jesus, I believe, was teaching them a powerful, powerful message that day. That his word is powerful. Just a few weeks ago, I got a a letter through the post. Opened it up and, you know one of those letters when you think, I don't recognize this envelope. You know one of them? Opened up the letter and the first thing it said at the top was parking fine. The first thing I thought is it can't be me. I even phoned Emma before I read it. It must be my wife. I looked. There was video evidence or camera evidence saying this is the registration. You went into this place at this time. You were longer than you should have been, so blah, blah, blah. First thing I did is ring my wife. I said, you, we've got a fine. It's you. I wasn't pointing the finger, you know. But it actually was her. Don't tell her I told you that. And uh, she, thankfully, she got a receipt. She bought something in the shop, so she was just taking longer than she thought she would, and they, it exceeded the time. And uh, do you know what I did as a true northerner? I thought, I ain't spending, I think it was £100 fine, or you pay early, you pay 60 So I thought, I'm going to phone up, not the company, because the company ain't going to be interested in what I've got to say. But I'm going to phone the shop, and I'm going to explain the issue. So I, I, I phoned them up, and I said, you don't understand, my wife came, she bought something, I've got a receipt. And I was so blessed because before I, before I called, by the way, I prayed. I said, God, please, I can't afford 60 pounds. Move, as we said this morning. Move. In the name of Jesus. This satanic receipt. Get out of my life. Be free. No, I just phoned her up. I said, I'm sorry, but my wife was a little bit longer than she thought. And, 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 and do you know what? The person was so gracious. You, you realize what grace is when you know that you should pay for something. And she said, I'm going to let you off. I was like, well, thank you. I said, I'll let my, I'll let my wife know. And uh, so she said, I'm going to let you off. But she says, I need to speak to the company. And don't worry about it. You don't need to respond to the letter. I'll deal with it. Now, do you know when she said that? She said, don't respond. Now, the letter I received was from a parking company that told me if I didn't pay, the fine would go higher. So I had to trust what she said she would do by her word to stop me getting a fine. I could have phoned the company and said, listen, there's a a girl called Sarah going to call you in about an hour. She's going to let me off the hook. Please listen to her. So I had to trust that she would call And then that her word would effectively nullify the letter. Let me tell you something. When Jesus tells you that he is going to do something over your life. And he says to you today, I said it back then. And I told you to go. And you're in the middle of the lake. And you're so far in. My word has power. If I said it, I'm going to do it. You see, some of us, what we do is this. 
we look at the miracle we've just seen God do. We look back to the feeding of the 5,000. So we say, oh, the, the, the thing is, is I can only trust God if, if I have a miracle moment like that one. So I'm going to look back and I remember when, when, when the, the people were being fed in that moment of feeling Jesus around us and people were just getting fed. It was just amazing. Can I just say something? Don't let yesterday's miracle become today's pinnacle for you. Because what you do is you make yesterday's miracle what you saw the foundation for your belief for today. So what you do is you make that the, the thing. I, I know Jesus did it like that then, so I, I don't feel that same way when we were on the hillside and everything was going off. I'm seeing the wind, I'm seeing everything going wrong. And I want to tell you something, that solitary moments are just as powerful as spectacular moments. Why? Because if his word says it, then his word is with you today. Hallelujah. How do I know this? I do because the word of God says it. Matthew chapter 8, the Roman officer comes and meets Jesus and he tells him about his paralyzed servant. He says, my servant's sick. Will you, you, know, will you, will you come and, and pray? And he can't really be there and, and he says, just say the word. Verse 8. Just say the word. You imagine, I just want you to picture this. This is a Roman soldier stood in front of Jesus. If the Roman soldier can get this, we should be able to get it today. If the Roman soldier, who comes from the same breed of people who beat Jesus up, can get that he has power, they must have seen something in him. He says this, the New Living Translation says, just say the word from where you are. And it'll be done. In other words, if Jesus is on the shore and he didn't go with him in the boat, but he said, I want you to go to Capernaum because this is the next plan. It doesn't matter what comes against you. You are going to your Capernaum. Because he said it. So his word has power. When they were in the boat, I'll tell you what was happening. Right there and then, what felt like a solitary moment was actually a spectacular moment. And I'll tell you why. Because moments like these are more powerful than when you see things. Blessed are those who don't see but still believe. In other words, when you're in a boat and everything's going against you and you put your trust in the word of God, you put your trust in the word that he said to you, let me tell you, I believe you're about to see something big. Solitary moments can become spectacular moments when you feel like God is not there. He is. Genesis 18, God visits Abraham to prophesy a son. He says three men show up at his tent one day. It's hot and he's tired. You can just see him sat outside the tent. Everything's hot and... He's weary and then three figures show up and it says the Lord appeared. So we believe one of them was, was God himself visiting him. And they come and visit him to declare a promise. They come to declare a promise that's not happening there and then in the tent. You know, Sarah, she laughs at this. She can't believe what they're saying. She's tried to force Hagar into making this promise happen with, with Ishmael and, 
For her, she's just dejected. They're in a place right there at this tent and she just laughs. But what do those three figures or God say to, to Abraham? Verse 10, it says, one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Listen, when Jesus says something over your life and he says, I'm going to do this, even if it's not now, his word has power. Isaiah 55, 11 says his word comes from his mouth. It doesn't return void. It accomplishes what he desires. So when his word goes over that sea, you see, it goes over and hovers over the sea and it's with them in the boat. I want to just tell you today, whatever you're struggling with, whatever it is, what word has been said over you, Jesus is still with you. Some, some people don't believe that, that Jesus speaks. And do you know what happens sometimes? We give up on words. Do you know just this last week, a U.S. comedian has mocked. He's been on news, has mocked people in government officials saying that they must be mentally disturbed to think that Jesus can speak to you. I want to just say to you, we're not mentally disturbed. We're children of the living God. Jesus speaks, and when he speaks, his name, what he says, has power. It has power. And this, the problem is sometimes people make us doubt thinking that Jesus doesn't speak. Oh, that was just something uh, I, that was in my mind. I thought it was a good idea to go to Capernaum. Maybe I'm in the wrong place because the wind and the, the, the waves, everything's getting a little bit out of hand. Maybe that word was not God. Can I just say you'll know if it's God? You don't need to check. You'll know when God has put something on the inside of you. Amen? Number two, in God's time, in fearful moments can become our great faith moments. I don't, can I just say this? It's okay to be frightened. Oh, but God's not given us a spirit of fear. Some of us, I get frightened every time I do something, something for Jesus. I get scared because, listen, fearful moments drive great faith moments. There's, there's a healthy fear. Did you know that? There's a healthy place of fear when Jesus leads you into places of discomfort and says, I'm going to take you somewhere to push you to the limit because you're going to see me come through, son. You're going to see me come through, daughter. God, when I'm not scared, listen to me. Whenever you're working for God, you'll be fearful because he puts you in a place of holy fear. Fearful moments become great faith moments. John 6, 19, it says, when they had rode about three or four miles, so now they're halfway in, they're struggling, Jesus ain't with them in physical sense. Then all of a sudden, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. Mark 6 says they thought he were a ghost. Can I just say something to you there? Sometimes you think in your life you know Jesus. 
You think you know the way he operates. Or I don't think this is of God because this, is, this seems a little bit demonic. This I don't like the way this manifestation is. Let me tell you, God it will always surprise you. He'll always surprise you. That's a ghost. They just spent a whole day with this man. They'd spent a day distributing food to around fifteen to 20,000 people, operating one of the greatest miracles recorded in the Bible. They'd spent all their time with him, and it says, it's a ghost. Why? Because they didn't expect him to walk on water. You know, if, if there's things in church sometimes you don't like, listen to me, don't get worried about it, don't get upset. Because sometimes he's going to challenge your thinking. Sometimes you're going to say, this is is not of God. This, this This is demonic. Listen to me. Wherever a place lifts up the name of Jesus high, the devil does not want to be there. People say to me, oh, are you sure that the things you see, I've had people say to me, is it of the devil? Jesus himself was accused of this. You're driving these devils out by the name of Beelzebub. It says a kingdom be divided against itself, if that was true. The, the reality is this, that Jesus knew that while ever he lifts up his father, while ever he does the work of his father, if we lift up the name of Jesus, let me tell you, Satan does not want to be near that. It's when you, do, when you move away from him and you try to glorify yourself. The key to it is to glorify God. Jesus then shows up in their distress. You know, I love this because right now, they're at the moment of halfway through, they're believing in a prophetic word, what Jesus said. You're going to Capernaum. I told you you're going. So they're thinking, how are we going to get there? Because this is, this is hard work. Wind's heavy. Then he shows up. Listen to me. Can I just say something to you? If you want to see a release of a prophetic word in your life, do you know what you've got to do? You've got to row first. Some people expect it all to happen on the shore. But what Jesus is looking for in you today is this. Which ones are prepared to hear what I've said and row first? If you can row first, then I will meet you halfway. You see, faith is about you stepping out. When we see in Matthew 14 in this story, Peter it doesn't, it doesn't record it in Mark 6 and John 6, but Peter, he says there's a, this part, this little scene, what we see in Matthew, where, where Peter wants to walk on the water as well. I mean, he's taking it a little step further. But let me tell you, you to step on that water, you've got to believe. The moment he stepped out of that boat onto the water and he put his foot on the water, some people have got to row first. Some people have got to step first. Until you take the step, you will not see God move in your life. How how apt is it this morning that when I got here, I went to the back. I didn't know any of your songs. I went to the back. I said, let me see the song list. And they, they pulled them up and I just quickly scanned through. I said, what's that song there? Move. They said, oh, it's a new one. I said, open it up. I want to see the words. Didn't I, guys? I was at the back. I said, well, I want to see the words. I saw it. I recognized it. Then when I was down here, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, it's because I do want to move people today. How many of you know the Spirit of the Lord is here? The evidence is all around. 
You don't need to be on the shore on the mountain seeing fish and bread multiplied. You can be in the middle of your distress and the evidence is all around. That he wants to move you. That he wants to move you. Let's go and find the one who we saw do the miracle. Let's go back because I'm not sure about the word he said. In fact, we may, we may need to go and have a chat with Jesus about his schedule. His time because his schedule seems a little bit out to me. Because I'm not sure if, if he was aware of the wind. I'm not sure if he's aware of the situation. Halfway. Peter steps out of logic. He says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come. Oh, I'd love to have seen that. I'd love to have seen it when he said, come. And he steps out onto that water. Faith moments are going to come from your fearful moments. Just the other week, some of you heard me, my story of when I went to minister in Northampton and to preach. And two days prior to that, I was praying and uh, God spoke to me and said, I want you to pray. There's a young lady going to be there with a right ear that's deaf. And I want you to pray because I'm, I want to open an ear. And, uh, and, I, and I, was, I was sat praying. I thought, God, is this really you? You know, I've not really seen deaf ears open in that magnitude. seen lots of different things, but it was a big thing for me. And so I'm praying, and I feel God say this. In fact, he gave me a word. He said, I want to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. He says, I want, tell her I want to restore the, the years and her ears. <laughs> I thought, wow. So I went there, and, and I was stood, and I was preaching, and then I thought, I'm going to call this word. And I called the word at the end of the service. There's 70 or 80 kids, plus their leaders all stood in this room. And I, and I share this word of knowledge. And I, I've got to admit with you, I, when I said it, I was scared. I was fearful. It's good fear though. It's good fear. Let me tell you, don't, don't worry about it. So I was scared. And as I said it, one person put their hand up at the back in the corner. And I thought, oh no, why did you put your hand up? I said, come with authority. All the time I'm thinking, I wish the, the floor would just swallow me up. She walked down and she walked towards me. I just with, with boldness put my hand onto her ear and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this ear to open. Right there and then she burst into tears. The ear opened. I realized something that day when God says something. Not whether we just come up with any, any ideas. When God wants to do something, he does it. And so I realized that day the power in, in, in that word two days before. But you have to activate that. And so fearful moments can become great faith moments. But you've got to activate them. Amen. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you need to step out in faith more and believe God to use you more in areas such as this so that these fearful moments can become great faith moments. The next something else happens, and this is just amazing. When Peter's done what he's doing in Matthew 14 and he's had his little time with Jesus, the next thing it says is this, that they were willing when they were willing to take him into the boat, it says something that I'd never seen before. It says they were willing to take him to the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Wow. You see, I read this and I thought, hang on. They've only rowed four miles in. 
now they're doing this little thing with Jesus. They've stopped the boat. They ain't going to be moving while they're, they're walking on water. They've got this little scene going off in the middle of the sea. And by the way, this is no David Blaine trick that was happening. Because 2,000 years ago, they've got no pyrotechnics and, 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 and cameras and way of fooling people. This is in the middle of the sea. It says... Immediately, they reached the shore where they were heading. Scholars believe there's around three to four miles to the other side. In fact, actually, the truth is they, weren't, they didn't even land in Capernaum. They landed in Genesaret, just lower than Capernaum. So when they go there, they end up going somewhere different to where Jesus actually said, go to the other side to Capernaum, to Bethsaida. They end up in a slightly different location. How many of you know sometimes that God will tell you to do something, you start the journey with him, you start rowing and you start going, and then you end up somewhere else? You see, Paul, he ends up going to Asia, the Holy Spirit stops him, so he then goes down towards, is it Troas, and then goes up towards Macedonia. And he sees a vision of a man in Macedonia that's actually a woman, that's Lydia, who's Lydia's conversion. God will use things and direct you in certain places, and then he'll lead you to places you probably wouldn't have gone to originally. Because in Genesaret, healing started happening. People started getting healed at the other side. And so what happens here is, I don't understand this, but I, I, I read the word and, 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 I, and I might be wrong, but you tell me. But when I read this, it says immediately. Uh, when I read immediately, that means immediate. That doesn't mean that he got in and then they had a four-mile journey of hard slog against the wind. It doesn't say they carried on chatting and talking as they went across. It says immediately they arrived at the shore. I want to just say to you, whatever that means is this, but I believe God can do it because if God is the creator of the world and he's the Alpha and the Omega and he's outside of time, that means something that when you allow God into your life, into the boat of your distress, the problems you're going through, Jesus has the ability to release you, propel you, and as we sung earlier that I had no idea we were going to sing this song, to move you. So when you take a step of faith and you row hard for Jesus because of a word he said on the shore, when you get so far, if you trust him and you let him take full control and don't turn back, he will propel you into your future destiny. He will release you quicker. Can I just say, and you, you might say, well, I don't know if that means that in the Bible. Can I just say something? That if you take one natural step in this earth today, you will release a supernatural step from heaven. If you take a step of faith on earth, you'll release supernatural leaps from heaven. And I believe that God sometimes is looking for those, when you act first, you take that one small step, he'll, he'll thrust you. He'll thrust you. Immediately, immediately, they reached the shore where they were heading. Years ago, we... We moved house to Cambridge. In 2006, we were living 20 miles outside of Cambridge. And we wanted to move here to, to serve God. We wanted to be nearer to the church. And so it was a massive thing for us to, to take a step of faith. And I really believe God spoke to me and told me to get this house to move. And so I did. And I moved here on the basis of nothing more than being close to this building. And that's before I was pastoring here. Years before. 
But God just said, I want you closer. So I took a massive step of faith. Do you know what happened when I took that step of faith? What seemed like a daily, a, a provision of a miracle, each day I, I got worried because people would say to me, I can't believe you've took on a big mortgage, you've moved so close, you, you're crazy. And so I had this battle at work, people would say, why have you done that? And then I'm like, well God I believe told me to. And, 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 and I had this battle every day and I want to just say to you, some people have took some steps of faith in here, financially. You've done some big leaps of faith in the natural can I just say to you, God has took care of us. When the kingdom of God is with you, and the Bible says it's at hand, I really want to encourage you today that when you take small steps, sometimes big steps for God, He honors that. And He honored it years ago. He honored it, and He's never, ever let us down. He's never let us down. He's always been. Sometimes it's been close to the bone. We've been worried. But He's always on time. He's always on time time. Maybe you're rowing hard today. Maybe right now you're saying, well, I've been going hard. I feel like turning back. God said certain things, but it's easier to go back. It's easier to turn around and go back that direction. In Jeremiah 42, it talks about the people came to Jeremiah. They said, tell us what we should do and where we should go. They came to the prophet. Tell us what we should do, where we should go. He says, okay. I'll do that. And so he goes and prays, seeks, seeks for a word to give them. And he tells them, you know, you need to stay here. You need to stay in Babylon. You, don't, you don't, don't go back to Egypt. He says this, if you go back to Egypt, the same sword will overtake you there. And so he gives them this word and they, they don't want to listen to Jeremiah. And I want to encourage you today, sometimes turning back is the easiest thing because the wind might be behind you. But I want to just really encourage you today, press on because your breakthrough is about to happen. That is not me making things up. It's that God's word says that when we step out, he'll move in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He wants to take some people today from a place of pressure to a place of promise. A place of pressure to a place of promise. Finally, number three, in God's timing, empty moments can become fulfilling moments. You know, when Jesus gets to the other side of the lake and they've seen these miracles, they've now seen the walking on water and they move to the other side, there's something else happening. The people that he was with, all those thousands of people that he'd been with at the other side, they now start to chase after Jesus. It says this, that they waited and some boats from Tiberias come and collect them and they take them over and they're now on a hunt to find Jesus. Do you know why they went to look for him? Because they were hungry. I don't know about you, but I know a good deal when a good deal comes up. You see, I like Aldi. I like Tesco's. I like all these cheap shops as well. But I've, I want to tell you, I found something, a little secret that I'm going to tell you all this afternoon. That I've been discovering just recently and I just believe God revealed this to me. So it's a fresh revelation. It's co-op. If you go to co-op after 8 p.m. every night, you'll find that everything's discounted in the reduced to clear section. And so I discovered this. I actually discovered this at 7.45 p.m. when I nipped to the local co-op. 
and I went round to get a loaf of bread and some milk. And I walked in there and I saw the guy starting to make the reduced to clear items. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but when you go in and I, I'm looking at the sandwiches and I'm thinking, there are some deals on there. And so I'm waiting for him to stick the stickers on. And so every time he turned his head and looked at me, I just picked up an expensive sandwich and pretend I was about to buy it. You know, I pick up the truly irresistible ones. And all the time, and then he looks again, and I'm, I'm thinking, you just hurry up and discount that egg sandwich because I want it. That egg sandwich has got my name written all over it. Because that is about to go from 2.95 to 10p. You cannot get a sandwich for 10p at Tesco's. Now that's a revelation. Some of you are wondering, what is he talking about? You cannot get these deals. Co-op after 8 p.m. And so I'm in there every, every night. I, I nip out. It's my night out now. I said to my wife, I'm just nipping around a co-op. I do. I said, I'm just nipping around and see what's on the trolley. You're thinking, that man is sad. And so I go around there and, I, and I'm looking. I, I go down the aisle and I look. And if I get in there and he's just doing them at 8 p.m., sometimes what I do is I, I, I look at them and I realize he's about to get to them. And he says, I'm not there yet, mate. I'm not there so I walk around the other side and I start looking at things that I'm not interested in just to kill time. Then I wander back around again just to see if he's done the sandwiches. And I come out with steaks. I come out with salmon, 10 pence a packet, put them all in the freezer. My granddad told me years, he says, count your blessings, name them one by one. And you'll be surprised what the Lord has done. I'll tell you, the co-op manager is a godsend. You know what it says, you'll entertain angels. I think he's an angel. <laughs> and so I, I go in there and, I, and I, I see these deals and it's because you cannot get things like that. Do you know when they were on the mountainside in this story, they got better than an Aldi deal. They got better than a cop deal because what they got that day is this, that they got multiplication of food and it was free. They got free food. Free food. There was no reduced to clear. There was no charge Jesus Christ, the Son of God, produces a miracle that produces food to feed thousands of people. From three barley loaves and two little fish. And it says there was some left over for me to come and buy later. Yeah, I'll have that fish. Tempe. Can I just say there's not many things in free. And, and so what they'd seen is they'd seen a miracle of provision. So now what happens is they're trying to hunt for Jesus. And by the way, it says this. Remember, the same crowd, it says Jesus says they tried to make him king by force. So what, what was happening there is this. They had got in their minds that Jesus had produced this miracle. He is our provision. Therefore, he becomes the king of our provision crown him now he's the king Jesus says this is not in my time this is not my schedule it's not my time it's not my time to be king you're make you're getting the wrong idea I'm going up onto the mountain out of the way of you lot and I'm going to pray then he says when he met when he met the disciples in the boat and he meets them in the boat. Do you know what it says in one of the versions? I think it's Mark 6. He says when he steps into the boat, he says they were up completely amazed when they saw Jesus. Completely amazed because their hearts were hardened because they still didn't understand the loaves and the, and the fish. In other words, they had hardened hearts. They spent a whole day with Jesus doing a miracle, but they still didn't understand it. 
Hardened hearts produce logic, not faith. So that's why Jesus, I believe, met him right in the middle of the lake and says, come on, guys, it's time to understand here. It's not about logic. You get, you're not getting this. I'm walking on water now to give you an indication. I've got power and authority. And so what he does is he deals with these people on this mountainside and says, you're trying to make me king by force. Can I just say today, there's some people here right now, what you do is you make Jesus the king of your provision and not the king of your heart. So what you do is he becomes the king of the blessing. I want to say to you today, don't chase the blessings of God, but chase the God of the blessings. Some of us are chasing after what he does with his hand when he says, seek my face. Seek my face. Don't look for what I'm doing with my hand. Seek my face. And so he says to them, they they catch up with him eventually, seeing if they can get another deal. Verse 26, John 6, I'm coming to finish, don't worry. He says, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, you want more food. You're still wanting more food. But if you, listen, if you chase after blessings, you're always hungry. If you chase after the one who gives the blessings, you're satisfied. If you chase after miracles, you'll get hungry. Miracles do not satisfy you. I've seen people get healed. I saw a deaf ear get healed, but it hasn't satisfied me. Why? Because I want to know the one who heals. I want to know the one who opened that ear. I want to know him. I want to get to know him. And so we've got to be ones who chase after God for the right reasons. John 6, 27, Jesus says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, the God, the Father has placed his seal of approval. If the team want to just come back, that would be great. Some of us today are feeling empty inside. We're in a season of emptiness. The time we're in is emptiness because what we've done is we've chased after the wrong thing. We've chased after what God can do for us when God says, I want to do things in your life fresh and new. We're chasing after God doing stuff for us. He says, I just want to know you. When was the last time you come into my presence and seek my face rather than seeking what I can give you? I want to say today, if you're empty, maybe you've made him the king of your provision, the king of your expectations, but is he the king of your heart? We sing a song here. You're the king of my heart. You're the wind in these sails. You know, when he becomes the king of your heart, he propels you, he drives you, he gives you the ability to cross the lakes when it's tough. When he's the king of your heart, not just the king of provision, because you're going to get tired again. If you seek those things, you're going to be still rowing. Some of you are happy just rowing and seeking after blessing. But he says, I want you to seek me because I will be the wind in your sails. 
I'll be the thing that propels you, that supernaturally releases you into the next season. Because I want to tell you today, friends, some people have been rowing hard. It's time to stop rowing and time to trust God. Hallelujah. Matthew 11 verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but I need some rest. I need to rest in Him. I need to rest in Him. Come on, let's just stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.